When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belbid DeVoe. You're truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India RE. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. We got to talk a little politics this weekend. Valerie Jarrett, former senior advisor to President Obama, is here. Plus, journalist April D. Ryan celebrating a big anniversary as a White House correspondent. But first up, people are breaking up, making up, and trying to get their relationships right in the new year. Cafe Mocha begins now. I'm Angelique. I'm Yo-Yo. I'm Lonnie Love. Uh, Ladies, there was a surprise last year in December. Devon Franklin and Megan Good, after nine years of marriage, mm. Devon filed divorce. And, uh, uh, that, that nine years, I mean, they do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Once you get to mm. the 10th year, things get tricky wow. when it comes to dividing up that money. So I wasn't, well, I mm. am surprised and I'm disappointed that uh, that they are getting divorced. Well, you know, um, they say that they're friends. Mm-hmm. It was funny because Megan came on our show before it was announced. Mm -hmm. And as a talk show host, I knew about the rumors. So I did ask a question about it. It was cut out because Megan asked me to cut it out. But she did answer in so many ways of, you know, saying that she's looking at transitions. She's going to, you know, take a beat for herself. She says that she's going to stop drinking. So, and they ended up putting out a joint statement. But then after that joint statement, Devon put out this IG picture with his eyes closed and he's crying. crying. And, you know, and the, the reception was basically like, oh, so you decided to take a picture of yourself crying. And it, But I felt like he was just trying to express how he was feeling. Yeah. That's how I feel. I didn't take like, oh, you trying to, you know, be performative. I thought he was really being sincere. And if you guys know that he's very religious, he's, um, I believe he's an Adventist. So on Saturdays, he observes the Sabbath. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Takes it very seriously. I do know that they, they did not have children, but at one point they were looking at having a family because Megan had came on the show and said that. And, you know, I think people tend to grow apart, but this was very surprising because, you know, they've written books about how they waited before yeah. they got, you know, to have sex before they got married. And you what know, do you and- think happened? Megan got her a new boo. She got her a new boo. Got me a new one this year that knows how to handle this year. <laughs> really? Yo, yo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wanted to lighten. I wanted to lighten it up a little bit, you know. It's no way of lightening (laughs) up a divorce that happens, you know, because we we never know what happens when people grow apart. The hardest thing is to to place blame on the the other person. What happens, even if it was relationship problems, as far as infidelity or whatever. I think the fact that they are friends 
the crying on Instagram was a little bit much for me. However, I understand it. I don't want a man filming himself crying. Well, you know, I mean, Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah, Hollywood relationships are hard, especially I feel like when both of you are in the business, they're they're always difficult. You Um, know, to me, okay, if I'm honest, and this is just my personal opinion, I think they never really matched. And I'm going to say that, you know, he's very religious. You know, he's doing religious movies. Uh, I think that he had a certain lifestyle and I think that Megan, you know, it's hard, you know, because especially in the black community, we're very conservative when we come to our thinking about, okay, if this person is religious, then your partner shouldn't be wearing a sexy dress and shouldn't be, you know, almost immediately once they got married. There was the Megan has we've known Megan good since she was freaking 12, 13 years old in uh, Eve's Bayou or however yeah, old right. she was. And we know how she is. And she's a hottie and she's dated guys and we love her. She's a super, you know, just amazing actress from childhood. And I agree that it seems like a mismatch and people immediately started going after her when she was in her cute outfits being Megan Good as she always was. So I don't know. I I imagine it was pressure. Uh, But then also, if he is as religious as you say, he probably doesn't appreciate her drinking so much, as you noted. Well, she said she she has stopped. So but moving on to other relationships, NeNe Leakes. Mm -hmm. She dating mm. is now dating. She's back on the market. Oh boy! Now and how was- messy? I mean, you. I, I, it's like, can't you people give something a break? She just lost her husband. She's trying to find her way back in life, and it just people immediately already starting problems for her. Well, first yeah. of all, people want to, you know, tell people what they need to do in their life. Nene is a grown woman. Yeah, okay? let, her, let her have a body to lay on. Exactly. You know, there was a little young man that, you know, I guess tried to do the come up on her yo-yo. He, I guess they, you know, was probably spending a little time together and he gonna take pictures. And what? Then, yeah, yeah, he took you a didn't picture. You did that? Yeah. Oh, Lord. yeah. No. Put you it ain't. up on Cafe Mocha. Put it you up ain't. on the website. Let <laughs> me see. be it. no more days for you, baby. If you okay. can be discreet, we yeah, cannot you can't do anything. Nothing. But now she's dating um a, a clothes maker and um, they look happy together. And she, you know, they spent um, New Year's together. They also vacationed together. And, you know, I just don't understand why people, you know, as you get older, you don't have a lot of time. You don't have six months and, and eight Two months years. To, we gone you know, date for like, a year and then, no. Yeah, you don't have that. So it's like if you find that person that you connect with, you know, and, and believe me, knowing Greg and Greg Leaks, Greg wouldn't want her to be by herself. You know, he would want her to be happy. And, you know, they knew that. So you know, and what I'm, I'm people what people don't understand is that when someone has had a long marriage and, and a long partnership, when they lose the partner, they want to get back out there immediately yeah. because they're used to that. Yeah. You know, they're used to having someone, you know, there. So let her and, do and, her and, thing. And the one thing I've learned about, you know, social media and people's input into your life, it can be troublesome. I know. And, you know, the Internet, you post on it. So you open yourself up to it. But I think the fact that you do what you want to do 
is better for you. And I'm, I'm happy for Nene. And he looks like he's loving on her and she looks happy. And that's all you want for her is happiness. Angelique along with Lonnie Loving, yo, yo. We're talking politics this weekend. President Obama's former senior advisor, Valerie Jarrett, is here along with April D. Ryan, White House correspondent. It's KVLA Talk 1580. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique, Lonnie, Love, Yo-Yo on the line. She's the former senior advisor to President Barack Obama and currently the board chair of Civic Nation. We've got Valerie Jarrett on the line. Welcome back to Cafe Mocha. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Happy New Year. I hope everyone and you all and your listening audience are doing everything they can to stay safe and healthy. You know, the reason why we honored you is because you are always doing the work uh, for the culture and mm-hmm. to make our country a better country. So what's the latest? What should we be worried about? What should we be working on? Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. It's my honor to do it. And I think what we learned at the anniversary of January 6th, the first anniversary of the attempted insurrection to overthrow a duly um, authorized election in our country, the lesson is we can't take our democracy for granted. Mm. We have to roll up our sleeves and we have to get involved. And that's why Mrs. Obama launched When We All Vote, which is a part of Civic Nation back in 2018. And we realized that everyone has to get involved and make sure that they register to vote. And what we want to do is train 100,000 volunteers to register people this year. We want to register over a million new voters. We want to organize folks to talk to their senators about the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Because what's clear is, you look around our country state by state, particularly in the South, but not just in the South, laws are being proposed and passed that make it harder to vote. And so we Mm -hmm. need some federal standards to say, if you're one of those states that has a history of passing discriminatory practices, you got to get approval before you can change your law. And also, we should be expanding early vote, having vote by mail, letting people vote during off hours, because not everybody works nine to five. Not everybody can take off in the middle of the week on a Tuesday to go vote. And so we need some federal guidelines that make it easier for people to vote. And that's really what's top of mind right now. I'm worried about our democracy. I'm worried that people are thinking, oh, gosh, government, you know, it's just dysfunctional. And why should I get involved? Because it's your government. That's why you got to get involved. You got to care about it. And if you don't like the people who are representing you up and down the ballot, well, then find a candidate you do like and vote the other people out of office. We shouldn't feel disempowered. We should feel empowered. But it is dysfunctional. I mean, mm-hmm. they can't even agree that January 6th was a bad thing. How do you not agree that that was an embarrassment and scary for democracy? I mean, right. if you can't agree on something as simple as that, how do we get to health well, insurance? How do we get to voting rights? You hit the nail on the head. And the problem that we have right now is, is that people are just getting information from all kinds of places that are not legitimate. And, you know, the recent polling shows so many people in the Republican Party don't think that the election was legitimate. But yet the people who are responsible for the elections from both parties, as well as at the federal government who oversee elections, all said it was a perfectly legal election. The the former vice president, Pence, signed uh, what he was supposed to do when the insurrection ended to say yes. 
one of the strengths of our democracy, as you all, has always been open and fair elections. And the world is watching us and they are wondering what has happened to the United States of America. If we had seen the footage that we just watched again at the anniversary of January 6th of people storming the Capitol, being violent with police who are there to serve and protect, going in and ransacking offices. What about that looks like a peaceful tour? And so we should not get bamboozled by nonsense. And so I think part of the reason I wanted to come on your podcast is because you are trusted messengers. Your audience listens to you. They know that you're going to tell them the truth. And this is what we all have to be doing. Uh, And so Mrs. Obama had a whole group of civil rights organizations sign a letter saying, this is important. We need to get Congress to act now on both the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And that's just the first step. The other is registering yourself to vote and showing up and caring about yeah. our country and the democracy. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Valerie Jarrett, she is the board chair for Civic Nation. We're discussing fight for our vote. I wanted to say, you know, in a lot of areas, they are changing the polls. You know, a lot of people don't know where to go to vote. A lot of the seniors are feeling like, you know, they're moving it so far out that they can't even get to it. What, What? How can we help that situation? What are we doing? Well, this is such a good question. So first of all, let's take a step back and say this is nothing new. When I listen to my parents tell stories about what it was like before the Voting Rights Act, uh, of 1965 was passed with you know, everything from poll taxes to asking people to count the number of jelly beans in a jar, and all of the, the literacy tests, everything that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents have to go through. So this is not new. But what we have to do is we have to organize, we have to protest, and we have to knock down these barriers that are keeping uh, open and, and accessible voting from happening. And so we have to use our voices and we have to use our vote to say stop it now, and we have to put a spotlight. So for example, I want everyone in your audience to know, in Georgia, it is a crime, a crime to take food or drink to somebody standing in line to vote. Now my mom is 93 years old. Mm. She will go and stand in whatever line. She has never missed an election in her life. But I'm gonna take her some water and something to drink while she's standing in line. And that's Mm -hmm. a crime if I do that. And we have to, We have to call nonsense on all of these horrendous laws that are designed to suppress the vote, push our members of Congress to act because they can stop it. The federal government can preempt everything happening at the state level and say, no, you can't do those things. And they need some adult supervision at the state level. And we need to call on our elected officials to act like adults. You know, Ms. Jarrett, you've been in politics for a long time and you know how our people are. Mm-hmm. What do we say to them that will resonate? But like, I feel like I, I'm seeing a lot of, and this is a lot of things online, like, you know, well, you know, we voted in Biden and Harris and they're not doing anything. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm going to, I'm going to, st- I don't need to vote. It's, we told y'all, y'all made a mistake. Right. What do we say? Well, to first them? of all, first of all, they have done a lot. How many people have had vaccines once, twice in a booster? How many people are out there um, employed today who had lost their jobs in the first year of the pandemic? How many small businesses received loans and grants from the federal government? How many people received unemployment checks in the mail that allowed them to uh, carry their families forward? How many moms and dads had the child tax credit, which inured to their benefit? So part of what we have to do is be educated about what the federal government is doing for us. 
and then talk about it. And that doesn't mean that it addresses every single issue. I know there are a lot of people out there struggling right now. But imagine where it would have been had we not had a president or Congress who had taken these steps. And so I think part of why I come at this from a nonpartisan perspective mm-hmm. is because the issues we're talking about should be important to everybody. We want people who are unemployed to have the ability to care for their families until they land on their feet. We want everybody to have access to affordable health care. We want people who are sick to not be stuck not having treatment because they can't afford these monoclonal antibodies that everybody who's wealthy is able to access. And so I think part of the challenge here is people are frustrated and they're tired and they don't feel like government is functioning for them. And we need to say them, well, then get involved and show up at a community meeting, write your congressman, get organized, register people to vote and recognize the other thing I would say is, look, a lot of the challenges we have cannot be solved overnight. These are long-term systemic issues that we have in our nation. And so you can't grow impatient too quickly, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't put pressure on your elected officials as well. Um, So yeah, I know, I know it's hard, but these are messages (laughs) that we have to deliver because if we don't deliver, then we run the risk of losing our democracy. I mean, what happens if next time around you have people who are overseeing elections in all these states that are totally partisan as opposed to professionals and they start trying to do what the what was attempted to do on January 6th, which is to throw out an election. Definitely. Well, then we're not a democracy anymore, you all. We're not a democracy. And we're not a beacon of hope to people all over the world who have looked to the United States to set the standard for how democracies behave. So my message is we don't have the luxury of sitting idly by and doing mm-hmm. nothing. And there's something everyone can do, beginning don't with registering to vote yourself. And I want to say that I was so proud uh, this past Sunday, Michelle Obama um, and When We All (laughs) Vote released an ad in the New York Times highlighting um, a letter. It was um, Mrs. Obama and over 30 organizations, including uh, Vote.org and the NAACP, pledging to collectively fight to ensure that Congress Um, acts on the voting legislation this year. This is what we're talking about when people want to say, you know, you all, Miss Jarrett, Mrs. Obama, y'all could have walked away. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have walked away. You didn't. So why, why do you stay in this fight? Even though you could have walked away because y'all did a lot for us already. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for saying that. But you know what? I find it to be a noble cause and I care about the country and I care about my grandson and you know, my daughter and my, my mom, I care about the people in my community. I care about black people in this country who I think for all too often get the short end of the stick. And yes, when president Obama was in office, we did everything we could for eight years, but a lot of these challenges require sustained effort over time. And I don't want to give up because I want this country to be better for my grandson than it has been for me, just as it has been better for me than it was for my parents and my parents better than my grandparents. And the only way we move forward is if we don't give up. It's a luxury to give up. Yeah. We can't afford to, because we have the most to lose. Mm-hmm. So how can we mm-hmm. give up? Who's going to look after us if we don't take that, care of ourselves? 
Well, like you said, it's for the grandkids. It's for our grandkids. Right yeah. now, we, we could subside and we can get through. We can make it. We, we found a way. But what about the grandbabies? I what agree. about the next generation? And the reason why we have what we have is because we stand on the shoulders of people who fought very hard for us. You know, you think about John Lewis and walking across that Edmund Pettus Bridge and fighting for voting rights. They made real sacrifices in order for us to have the right to vote. And the attempts now are to roll back the benefits that we had with that Voting Rights Act. And so we have to say, "Uh uh-uh, not on our watch. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Valerie Jarrett, former senior advisor to President Obama and board chair of Civic Nation. We're talking about voting rights and and all kinds of rights. In, um, In a lot of ways, I feel like it was a good year for social justice because i mean i'm i'm sure everybody knows by now Ahmad Arbery's killers um won't be getting out of prison uh George Floyd's killer is locked up for a really long time mm-hmm. what do you feel first of all are these just flukes Ms. Jarrett, because these were high profile cases, or do you feel like next time one of these happens and a police officer is in front of a jury that they're going to, you know, bring down the hammer and say, you got to be more responsible? Well, look, I think here's the good news, which is that there has been an awakening in our country. We saw with the demonstrations last summer after the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, on Arbery, too many too many black men and women to count, but who should be honored. And people of all ages, all backgrounds, all races in all 50 states demonstrated and said Black Lives Matter. That was a sea change in our country. And it was a wake-up call that rippled across our country. Now the question is going to be, what steps are taken at the local level to continue that pressure? You can't just have demonstrations and then go home and say it's solved. You have to continue to put the spotlight on these instances and you have to start looking at best practices for how we improve the bond of trust between police and the black community. And everyone will be safer if we do that. And these cases, you know, I, I say it's holding them accountable, but justice would be if it hadn't happened in the first place. And so what are the systems that we're putting in place that keep people from being afraid by a black person who's just trying to mind their own business. Mm. And that takes screening at the front end. So you get people in law enforcement who come from the community who know the people in the neighborhood. It takes training. It's, you know, it's it's scary being a police officer. You need to be trained over and over and over again to deescalate, not escalate. Otherwise your normal human emotions take hold. And, And what's supposed to make them different is they control those emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that needs to happen. Last summer, President Obama called on our nation's mayors to look at the use of force in their communities and do it in concert with the community. Over 300 mayors put up their hand and said, yes, we'll do it. And we showcased last year some of the best practices for how to reduce the use of force and keep people safer. And we should be sharing those best practices all over the country. And that's what law enforcement should do. That's what mayors across the country should do. The Justice Department now is looking at these patterns and practice of discriminatory behavior. They didn't do that for the four years President Trump was in office. We did it when President Obama was in office. We need to start looking at those patterns and practice again and holding law enforcement accountable. Uh, Because one murder 
is too many. Yeah. The family, those families never recover. Yeah. And people forget that there's a human being behind those every single statistic and a family, a mom, a dad, a daughter, a son. Uh, you know, I'll never forget George Floyd's daughter saying, my daddy changed the world. Well, let's make that true. We're talking to former senior advisor to President Obama, Valerie Jarrett. Go to whenweallvote.org and click on Take Action. This is Cafe Mocha. Morlani. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. I'm Angelique on the line. She's celebrating 25 years as a White House reporter, April D. Ryan, White House correspondent for the Grio and a political analyst with CNN. Happy New Year, April. How are you? Happy New Year, Angelique. I'm great. 25 years. I'm a little unicorn, I guess. (laughs) You are. Are you like the longest running White House? One of the deans in the press corps. 25 years. Yes. Um, there are some other people, but for me as a black woman, I'm the longest serving black woman, um, in that press room. I would like to know where the other black people are, April. Where are they? Other companies. 25. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not putting a responsibility on you or any of your, but I just want to know where the black people are. But there is an onus on these companies to reflect the questions that look like all of America. Where are the black people? Ask the companies that hire and put them in the White House. Okay. I want to come back to that, but I want to begin this discussion with Joe Biden, our president. Even the people that voted for him are rolling their eyes. They're mad. And I, <laughs> I, I, I want to know, is, is this... Poked out. 
<laughs> you know, I got uh, those middle of the road, quasi Republican friends looking at me going, you voted for them. <laughs> um, but I want to know how much of this is frustration and anger about the pandemic and how much of this is really Joe Biden's performance? Um, it's all of the above. People are COVID weary. We're tired. We're tired of running in the house, running from Omicron. I got on tennis shoes running from COVID. I've been running like so many people for two years. I'm not of that mind that, oh, get it over with and get it. No. You in the house. Well, I'm not in the house anymore, but I go to work and I go home and I'm in Mm -hmm. the house and I'm binge watching every show on streaming services. (laughs) So, you know, I'm like everyone else. But here's the thing. People are, are weary of COVID and they're tired. And people are expecting, oh, this will be done. But here's the next problem. One minute you wear a mask, one minute you do this, and the other minute, oh, it's five days instead of 10 that you quarantine. For some people, it's almost like you throw a wet noodle up against the wall and see if it sticks. Right. People are tired. People have died. People are scared of this thing. You tell us to be really scared, and then this thing is like a mild cold for those who are vaccinated. And then you still have a contingent of Americans not vaccinated, that's helping to spread these, these uh, variants, variants, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then when, when it comes to promises by Joe Biden, people are holding his feet to the fire because he was voted in uh, because one, people were tired of Trump. Yeah. The, the election was more about Trump. We don't want you anymore, but we decided on you, Joe. So we want, we're going to hold you to your promises. People are desperate for change. Yeah. And when they're desperate, they will take you and say, you made this promise. Where is it? He made a lot of promises on issues of equity in the black community. And two of the biggest things right now that were promised and were hoped for, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which Tim Scott and Mitch McConnell kiboshed. And then you have voting rights. We, yeah. This one is done for right now. And if Republicans gain the Senate and the House like we expect, done for a while. We are now voting without the full protections. Anytime any state wants to make a change in voting laws, they can do it without asking the Justice Department. That's what the large portion of the 1965 Voting Rights Act was about. you got 18 states, Texas and Georgia and other states, that are repping this voter suppression thing to the hilt. So did he lean in too late? Yes. Were they trying to be strategic and not bring it up during the time of infrastructure so they could get it through? Yes. But there had to be a happy medium somewhere. And there are so many people like you, like you said, Angelique, that are rolling their eyes. I see them rolling their eyes, parsing their lips and like pushing them out, looking like they got the cases of rocks in their jaws because they're mad. People are upset. The other part to me is that, you know, for every day, voters who don't get into the all the details and whatever all we know all we see is you can't get anything done you can't get anything done and then there's a sense that and I don't want to say you because Joe Biden is having this problem right now but potentially whoever comes in next democrat or republican um, we'll have this problem as well, where neither one of them can agree on anything to get anything passed. And it's like, what are we doing They're, here? We're just deadlock stalemate. And Angelique, for 25 years, I've been at the White House, 25 years, not 25 
minutes, 25 hours, or 25 days, 25 years. With that said, I remember, um, you know, Bill Clinton working to have unity across both, both across the aisle with both sides, both parties. Um, George W. Bush talked about unity, and and then Barack Obama, because of the very fact that he was a black man, you had Miss, Mitch McConnell talking about he's going to make him a one-term president, and then uh, shock jock Rush Limbaugh talking about he hopes he fails. With yeah. that said, then you have Donald Trump, who shut down any Democratic idea, anything from Barack Obama, and it has progressively gotten worse. January 6th showed us, you know, Republicans think that the, the, the terrorists, the domestic terrorists, the, the insurrectionists, the seditionists, um, they thought that they were skipping across the park, the ellipse, and, and, and just jovially and, and lovingly going into the Capitol for a spot of tea and, and a picnic, you know, holding that ain't hands what I and saw. kissing. That ain't what I heard nor what I saw. They defecated on the walls, peed and all, anything and everything. They, uh, uh, they desecrated John Lewis's memorial, former Congressman John Lewis's memorial. They acted like animals, people, idiots. And worse than animals, not, not worse than idiots. It was deadly. They went there to get Nancy Pelosi, to get... Mike Pence, they erected a noose. It wasn't a joke. They were ready to swing Mike Pence's neck from that gallows on the mall. But April, April. And the Republicans want to act like it didn't happen that way. I'm with you. I'm with you. I saw it. Every death threat they gave to Maxine Waters, myself, Ayanna Presley, Al Green, um, anybody was enacted that day. April, I talked to people you know, black folks out there working hard. They're like, I'm tired of talking about that. I want what I want. I want to see action. I want to see something happen. And there action is the feeling. Happen until we deal with this and get these people out. That's the problem. Yeah, that's my question. How do, how do we get to a point where we have people in there that want to work together and move things forward? Angelique, we got people running for office who were in there tearing down the, the, the Capitol on January 6th. That boggles my mind. We are all, we put five carts in front of a half a horse. I feel like this is code for, this is code for, we have a long way to go slash it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yup. That wasn't code. That was straight up. (laughs) No chaser. And I don't drink. (laughs) Talking to White House correspondent April D. Ryan, this is Cafe Mocha. Loving our brothers, men with strength, wisdom, assertive, and genuine in their spirit. It's the Cafe Mocha Swag. Hosted by Rashawn McDonald. It's Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass. I recently sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner, Coach Dion Sanders, the Eddie Robinson Award-winning 2021 FCS Coach of the Year. He's had tremendous success with the Jackson State University football program. Coach Sanders shares some keys that will help you win. I have a text list of a couple hundred people that they've been getting my texts for over 20 years. Now I'm off on weekends, but Monday through Friday, <laughs> they get it. Like, like for, for, for instance, this morning it said, get yourself together and do what you know you need to do and be what you desire to be. Trim the fat off your life right now. It's holding you back and you know it. Just a simple, that's the first thing that hit my spirit when I woke up this morning mm-hmm. and I put it out. 
If you want to listen to this full interview with Coach Deion Sanders, it's available on MoneyMakingConversations.com. Keep winning. Cafe Mocha, April D. Ryan is our guest. She's celebrating 25 years as a White House correspondent. I do want to go back to your time during the Trump administration. And you mentioned earlier, you know, death threats and things like that. For those who don't turn on and watch these um, these press pools and these uh, press conferences, April D. Ryan is a Black woman who was always challenging Trump, always asking him questions and having him. Let's play a clip and then you'll remember. So we're going to do a lot of work on the inner cities. I have great people lined up to help with the inner cities. Well, when, okay? you say, when you say the inner cities, are you, going to, are you going to include the CBC, Mr. President, in your conversations with your, your urban agenda, your inner city agenda, as well as... Am I going to include Are who? you going to include the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional Well, Hispanic I would. Caucus, I tell you what. Do you want to well set up the, the meeting? CBC do you want to set up the meeting? No, no, no. I'm, are they I'm, friends I'm, of I'm yours? No, get a, set up the meeting. I know some of them, but I'm sure they're Let's go set up right a meeting. I would love to meet with the Black Caucus. I think it's great, the Congressional Black Caucus. I think it's great. I'm from the old school where we just report. Um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be the news. Um, you wrote a book about those years. How did your life change after going toe-to-toe with Trump like that? And are you still sort of recovering and dealing with that? I am still recovering. I am still very much um, dealing with that. You cannot have the leader of the free world someone in that high office and who changes the mindset of people on a, on a drop of a dime, on a whim, and think you, you're okay. There are, there's residue, but still I stand, and I'll stand if he tries to come back again. I never thought, I never even imagined, I wasn't even looking at 25 years. But when I got to yes, I said, if I would have given up after my mother and father worked hard, put their pennies together, and quarters and all that little money together to get me to college and gave up because Donald Trump didn't want to deal with what I was asking legitimate questions. So shame on me. Shame on me. And look at it now. I'm one of the deans of the White House Press Corps. Hey, Dean. So, and asking questions of a community that's underserved. Thank you, April. Congratulations on your 25th year. Angelique, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon and check in on any of the number of things of impacting our community. I appreciate you, Angelique. <laughs> Be <laughs> yeah, well, my sister. Thank you. You so. too. <laughs> Bye-bye. If you want the inside details of April's dealings with Trump, check out her book, Under Fire, reporting from the front lines of the Trump White House. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. Our hearts and prayers go out to Regina King on the loss of her son, Ian, to suicide. Sports anchor Mike Hill offered this advice for all of us. Check on your strongest friends, Mm. because sometimes your strongest friends are the ones that need the most help. I was one of those guys that always put on this strong facade, always happy, always trying to make everybody else happy. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm suffering in silence. And here's a fact that most people don't realize. 78% of all people who die by suicide are actually men. And yes, that applies to black people too. We've seen an increase in suicide in the black community. And what the data shows is that black men specifically are three to four times more likely than black women to actually engage in suicide. Men oftentimes, and specifically black men, are less likely to seek mental health services. 
And so there is a, a strong reliance on doing things yourself. Uh, we have concerns around sort of emotional vulnerability, and that oftentimes uh, prevents men from seeking the help that they need. If you just need someone to talk to, call 800-273-TALK, 800-273-TALK, or suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's the espresso. We're at Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo. We were talking about relationships. I think a lot of people, you know, especially at the beginning of the year, they they reevaluate their lives and they say what they want, you know. And I've noticed that a lot, especially a lot of um, celebrities are saying that they want to really find true love, you know. Yeah, well, uh, I'm opening it up for love to find me this year. I've oh. been divorced since 2016 and I've been working on myself and my family and my grandson and my career and you know, didn't make time for dating or, you know, pushed it off to the side as a secondary. But now I'm, I'm going to I'm going to let love find me this year. What type of man do you like, Yo-Yo? A funny man, tall, hopefully, you know, thick and chocolate and um, how thick and how chocolate. <laughs> well, give me give, give me 220. Oh, okay. well, you know what? I'm open for love. So I, I'm open to dating. I, I know what I'm looking for. I need a funny man. I need a praying man. I definitely need a hardworking man and a family, well, you know, someone who hard, loves his family. Does hardworking mean he got to make money or? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I cannot love a guy who doesn't have a hustle doesn't matter what it is, but you know, I, I need a guy that can change some things and fix some things. I need a traveling man. I don't need a homebody, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause you I are always gone. So you can't, right. you better yes. have your, you better have your passport. You better have some, that's right. You better have your booster shot. Oh, I heard that. And a passport booster and a passport. And, a, and a passport. Yes, ma'am. I mean, yes, what about ma'am. that, though? What if you meet a guy and he's like anti-vax and he won't get the vaccination? I'm not mm-hmm. even entertaining from the beginning. I, I think, you know, that's why I said, you know, opening up to create relationships before, you know, I just wasn't entertaining any of it. I'm going to go through the fun dating process of meeting people and, you know, getting to know them. And But off the back, I can kind of tell in the first couple of conversations what type of person a person is. And yeah, I'm not playing any games, though. You're I mean, yeah, girl, listen, we're, are we going to the Paris or what? There's yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> on our third date. I think we should go to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> right. We're not we're not rationalizing these levels this year. We're, go- we're going all the way there early. Well, she is opening up to love. What other resolutions do we have for the year? I'm running a marathon. Are you? I know. Girl, please, this hip. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But yes, I'm running a marathon April the 2nd in Irvington, Texas, 26.1. So every day, I know. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a challenge for me. I'm not really I'm not really a big runner and it's a challenge. It's just something I want to do. It's off my bucket list. I kissed 25 this year. Uh So it's yeah, right. That part. Uh uh (laughs) And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's, it's something off my bucket list. But the challenge is I consistently get up and run. So I think my body is adjusting to it. And um, even if I had to walk it just to push myself, you know, just I think it's more of a spiritual journey for myself because, 
you know, you get to a point where no one can really tell you anything. This is, you're like your own boss in a way. So this run is really me pushing myself. Okay. To Mm. do something different, to do something new, a new challenge for the year. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, good luck. Until next time, you can subscribe to the podcast by going to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Type in Cafe Mocha Radio, click subscribe, or you can find us at mochapodcastnetwork.com and on social media on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit cafemocaradio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.